Welcome back to another episode of Resilient and Rowdy. This is your host, Jess James, and today I have an exclusive interview with Staff Sergeant Marquis. Uh, everyone, say hi. Hello. Hey, how Hello. are you? I'm so glad that you decided to come on. Yes, I'm happy too. I, I okay. love to share my story. It might change somebody or save somebody. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I'm a little nervous. I, I, you know, you said immediately you were from Fort Hood. I was like, oh man, what are we about <laughs> to get into? So Sandy, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about you, who, who you are and what you do. Well, I am Sandy Marquise. I'm originally from St. Lucia, but I uh, was brought up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm currently stationed at Fort Hood. And um, 92 Alpha Logistics, if anybody wants to know what 92 Alpha is. And um, yeah, I have six kids. And my story, the reason why I'm sharing my story is because I want my story to, one, normalize leaders uh, between the ranks. Like some of us do have some traumas that we've dealt with and we don't talk about it. And soldiers feel like, well, you can't relate to me. You've never been through what I've been through. But leaders, I want the leaders to know the only way that the soldiers could, could uh, meet us halfway, we have to show them behind this rank, we were just like you guys, you know, or we still going through it, somewhat yeah. like me. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because I feel like there could be like a, a certain level of like detachment. Um, mm -hmm. And when you allow compassion and understanding mm -hmm. to come in, you can lead and you can also, yes. you know, be a better student. You know, you mm -hmm. can be guided a little better. Your mm -hmm. ego isn't in the way because yes. you think that they just don't understand. So yeah. I love that. So with everything that's been going on in hood, I know that your story originates somewhere else. So do you mm -hmm. kind of, want to start with that and sure. how it's related to sure. your story at Fort Hood? So so my, my story originally started at Fort Bragg. Mm -hmm. I had a troubled team. He, he deals with mental health, severe depression, bipolar disorder, and you named it, my son had it. And he was following the wrong crowd on Fort Bragg. And um, yeah, he was taking prescription drugs. I tried everything to kind of help my son to get him back on the right track. But then, you know, with the bipolar disorder and all the other stuff and the influence of his friends, like I say to a lot of people, when you have teenagers, you could have that kid create that kid's heart, but you can't make their mind up for them. So he listened to his friends and, uh, Hey, uh, had a bolo out to pick him up and he made up another story. And this is his second story he made up on me. Originally when I was uh, an E4, he lied and said I beat him. And I don't believe in uh, physically harming a kid because, you know, growing up in the 90s, this is what we knew. So I always try to use a different approach with yeah, break the, the way I handle it. Yeah, for sure. So but it, it was, was unfortunate that that lie yeah. has now... And his story really took me, like, I remembered when I was at E4, my first sergeant at Lewis told my son, if you don't stop making up stories, you're going to have your mom caught up a few years later. 
that actually happened to me at Fort Fort. It wasn't Fort Bragg somewhat, but Fort Bragg had closed it. And I said to my mom, hey, you know, since I've dealt with this situation with my son, I'm going to send these two boys home so I can focus on my three younger ones. Mm-hmm. And we piece, came down on orders PCS to Fort Hood. And I think this was the worst decision ever in my life because for this duty station took a lot from me and I went through a lot here. Wow. But yeah. That's all, it started at Fort Bragg. I'm so sorry. And you know, I know from the get people want to judge, honestly, I'm not a parent, but kudos to anyone who is, because that is extremely difficult. Like you said, you can, you created this beautiful life. You have hopes and dreams for them. Um, and I remember that phase in high school all too well, stubborn, I want to listen, yes. you know, so you're showing up as the parent that you need to be. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, um, you know, some kids, they prefer listening to their yeah. friends and they get caught up and sometimes it's, it's too late once they realize what they've done or that the guidance that you were giving them came from a good place yeah. and not right. trying to tell them what to do. Trust me. I've had that conversation with my parents so many times. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I was a brat. Well, me too. Now, now with everything I've been through, mm. I understand my teenage life. Like I always tell my mom, I'm sorry. I was bad to Yeah, me. you have, yeah, again, just yeah. more compassion and understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry that happened, but it's just crazy to think that circumstances in a new location would bring up, you know, things that you thought were in the yes. in the past and in, in, in a close chapter. Mm-hmm. So is that kind of setting the tone for the kind of atmosphere that Fort Hood has? Like, I have some dirt on you. I'm going to, or, or something along those lines. So, so it depends on the leaders. Like, like I said, but I'm, I'm being honest with you. Like I did meet a great leader, two of them actually, uh, first sergeant and the commander out here okay. that was in the middle of the storm. Like they never judged me like everybody else did. But they gave me a chance. And I remember, like, I respect Cap, my Cap, my commander now. He's leaving. But when he found out that I was in his unit, because he followed my story also, mm. and after his change of command, he demanded to talk to me. And he sat down and he said, hey, I'm not a part of this corruption. Like, mm. I'm, I want to get to know you. I was told that you were a wonderful NCO. And that's the person that I want to see. I don't want the label that everybody labeled you as. And wonderful. Um, That sounds like a blessing. I'm so glad that you were able to find that, uh, just, you know, people like that, leaders like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and especially to come out of the woodwork and like say like, hey, I'm on your side. I Mm -hmm. have your back. That is so refreshing to hear. Um, and I hope that along the way, uh, like I was reading your story online and I was just blown away at just how disgusting some of the behavior was. So the fact that you had, you know, some people behind you and supporting you, giving you guidance is really great to hear. Um, so, oh, sorry. So I guess, mm, do you want to talk about what happened or do you want to just like kind of tell us how things unraveled at Fort Hood once you So got- so like 
I could I could touch bases. I don't want to go like too far in depth because yeah, like, no, of course I totally want to respect your boundaries. But yeah, like it it stemmed down from 2018 when I got that like I'm I'm the type of mom like very athletic. My kids are in swimming classes, taekwondo. Mm -hmm. So the the main thing was when that worker knocked, when my son, matter, matter of fact, because he was followed by that worker. And it, it and I'll take you guys back a little bit. It Me and my ex-husband got into it. My ex-husband knew what happened at Fort Bragg. And he started all of this out of spite, to spite me. And, you know, when my kids had just came from swimming lessons, showered in bed, sleeping, long gone. My, I usually, because my son plays basketball, he was playing basketball for Harker Heights, uh, high, not basketball, football for Harker Heights High School. So he usually come home late the times that he have his games. And uh, if he has practice, it's like till like eight o'clock, he hangs out with his friends. So one, one of those nights, it was an, a, a normal night. I would, he was, he would send me a text or call me and say, Hey mom, open the door. So I have, my house is surrounded with cameras and this is where they messed up. Like they didn't know that they messed with a house with cameras all over. So when my son came, my son was banging on the door and I was like, what's this child banging on this door? Mm -hmm. Got up. Um, I'm looking, I'm not seeing, I'm seeing them just standing in front of the door. So I went in my pajamas and I was like, why are you knocking on my door? He's like, a CPS worker followed me home. And I said, followed you home? What did you do? Mm. And he's like, I didn't do nothing, mom. Just for, I said, uh, okay, get in the house. Let me go find out what she wants. So when I knocked on her uh, window, she, I was like, maybe you got the wrong house but probably looking for some another address. So I said, let me know, how can I help you? She said, are you Sandy Marquise? I said, yeah. She said, well, give me a second, go back in the house. When I went back in the house, my son is saying, they came to my school earlier today questioning me about you. And I said, me? So she went to y'all school? He said, yeah. I said, oh, wow. So she we got a knock probably like 15 minutes later i went to the door she's like i'm here about a case that happened in 2017. i looked up i was like a case that happened in 2017 that case is closed but what they didn't know was when my ex-husband was uh he was neglecting my son in new york so a situation happened in new york why my son ended up back in texas and my chain of command, what they didn't know is that my chain of command sent me to Bragg to do some research and talk to DSS out there. And they was, they, they gave me the, the green light to bring, bring him down and everything else, not to leave him in that situation. But she didn't know that. And I knew the case was closed. I'm saying that now because, you know, I'm past that. But she, so... I said, I definitely know that case was closed. Mm -hmm. So she was like, would I be here if that case was closed? Was uh, closed? I said to myself, I count down to 10 in my head. I said, she got the right house 
in the wrong house because I'm going to give it to her if she's rude. So she came in the house. The energy was already off. So my son, she started saying, going back and forth with my son. So my son was like, listen, why are you here lying? You came to my school today. Y'all was questioning me. So you followed me home. You parked in front of my, my um, game. And then you followed me home. So you made me think somebody was trying to kidnap me. And it was you this entire time. And she went, you went to my school. So I said, why are you guys going to my kid's school? Can you explain to me why are you really here? So it started going back and forth. She stepped out again. Her phone kept on ringing. She stepped out again. When we, uh, she went out. So my son and I was sitting right here. I got on the phone with my mom and I was like, you know, a CPS worker is here. My mom was like, your ex-husband did say he was going to bring you back to those gutters of New York where you came from. And he's now messing up with you. He said he was coming after your job too. So she said, let me talk to her to explain to her what transpired in New York. So when I hand her the phone, she listened. She heard it was my mom. She hung up in my mom's face. I said, oh, no, in my head. Like, so it started going that we weren't seeing eye to eye because she just hung up in my mom's face. She stepped, got another call. She stepped back out. My, uh, the SOC representative for my unit was on the phone because she was tracking a lot of this stuff okay. that happened and when. So she uh, she decided to uh, want to speak to her. So she was like, listen, it's been a long night. Um, we haven't had a chance to speak to each other. I'm going to make an appointment with you guys. To, to So she's saying this to myself and the SOC representative. She's an E7. She said, uh, for her, for you guys to meet up with me tomorrow, we'll sit down and talk, and then I'll tell her why I'm here. So we had an appointment for the, for uh, the 9th of November. It never happened. She walked out. She gave me her number on a piece of paper. She wrote, and she that was the last time I I saw the worker. Mm-hmm. About the eighth, not the not the the 9th of November now. At 1400, I get a call from my first sergeant. Hey, Sasa Marquis, you good? I said, yeah. And he was like, hey, I got a call from CPS. They want you to turn in your, your youngest son. I started screaming. I was like, she said, what's going on? I was like, first sergeant, why do I got to turn in my son? Like, what is going on? This lady still haven't sat down and told me what is going on. Like, she was supposed to meet up with me today, me and Sergeant First Class Brown. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So he said, I don't know, meet up with Sergeant Brown and Sergeant Smith, and we're going to convoy down to the office. That This is the hardest thing for someone to do to a parent, especially a good parent. The whole way I was driving, my son wanted to wear his Spider-Man costume. He said, for some reason, I think he could have sensed something was going on. He said the Spider-Man costume was to, to protect him from the bad people. And he had on his costume. I took my son. And that was the last time I saw my kids. I never seen my daughters. I dropped them off in school that morning. My daughters was picked up from school. No one told me anything yet. But a packet was handed to me in my hands. When I sat in the car, I was crying, screaming. Mm. Sorry, first class Brown was still there. 
and Sergeant First Class Smith was still there. They were trying to see if they could have took the kids until we figure out what's going on, right? They never gave them to my to them. But ma'am, honestly, I sat in the car. I was like, wait a minute, I have a 15-year-old son. Maybe they picked him up too. So I took I got in the car, drove. I saw my son coming down. I'm not sure if you know like Kaleem, but there's a Okay, so there's a Nightway has a McDonald's on the corner. He was between the McDonald's and the Walgreens with his friends fooling around. I said, I gave him the sign to get in the parking lot. When he got in that parking lot, he's my, my son's like, Mom, your eyes is big, but your eyes is Chinese. That's when you're crying, your eyes is chinky like this. I started screaming, telling him they took the kids. He said, My dad said he was going to do this to you. This is my dad. And then just for me and him to go home. My mom is on the phone. She's like, can you tell me why they took my grandkids? Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know, mom. While I'm talking to my mom, I'm hallucinating. I'm hearing my son. My son used to always bother me. He loved chocolate milk for chocolate milk. So he's like, mom, I'm waiting for the chocolate. The same routine every day. Right. So it's like I'm hallucinating that this is happening. So my mom, I'm yelling, give me a minute, Dana. My mom is like. It's a four-day weekend. It was Veterans Day weekend. I could remember everything like TV. Yeah, wow. It was Veterans Day weekend. And when, like, uh, my mom was like, hey, it's a four-day weekend. I'm going to pay for a hotel. Go to a hotel until we figure out what's going on. Because if you stay in this in this house, by the end of this weekend, you're, you're going to be mentally gone. Mm. I told my son, pack, his, pack something in the bag. Let's go. I went to several hotels before I said, why am I going to go pay all this money and I could go on Fort Hood? I went to Fort Hood. Me and my son checked into the hotel. Mind you, my first sergeant, my NCOIC, and Sergeant Brown knew where I was, these three individuals. Okay. So you updated? Mm-hmm. Okay. I told them everything. I told them when I got there, they told me, let them know when I got there. I did. They they spoke to me now. When you're going through a tragic a tragic situation like this, most of the times that what their military look for is to see if you have any suicide signs. Mm -hmm. So they spoke to me, taking turns until I fall asleep. Mm -hmm. The next morning, my mom got up. This is the 10th of November. My mom got up. My mom is like, "All right, you had enough time to rest. What's going on? Tell me what's going on with my grandkids." Mm -hmm. Just for her to say, um, I said, I don't know. She said, did they give you any paperwork? I said, they did, but I left it at the house in the, co in, on the, in the top living room. So my mom said, go get the paperwork. Left when I got the paperwork. When I got to the house, I took my laundry. I said, you know, let me fold these clothes while I'm there washing laundry, just to take my mind off of things. Right. I remembered one of the things she was saying is, I had my son watching my kids and I was like, I've never done that because I don't feel kids should be carrying that burden of babysitting your kids when they should be living their lives. Yeah. So I turned the corner. I said, let me go to one of my backup nanny's house. Drove. I got cornered on the top of TJ Mills by at least eight cops. When I got cornered, they were saying I had a warrant out for my arrest. I said a warrant. So I was like, Maybe it's the grass. So Texas, 
if you don't cut your grass, you get fined. If you don't pay the fine in time, you go ahead and there you, you have a warrant, right? Wow. So yes. So I I said to myself, maybe that's why, because I paid the fine borderline. So mm-hmm. I said to the cop who I'm sitting here, my phone ring, it's Lieutenant Lukens. Um, Summer Keith. Uh I got a call from a deputy saying that you got um you got a warrant out for your arrest. I said warrant. I said, sir, um, do me a favor. Um, I don't even know what's going on yet. I'm surrounded by eight cops. When I find out what's going on, you're you I'm gonna call you guys. Mm-hmm. By the time the cop came, got to the window, and I put my 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 window down, Lieutenant Lukens was on the cop's phone. And they were talking. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Go ask her the questions. And he calls me. And he was like, if you don't stop effing lying, then maybe we could we could uh, help you. I said, sir, what are you talking about? I don't even know what's going on yet. I said, give me a second. I'll tell you what's going on. Once I find out what's going on with what's happening nowadays, I don't want no cop thinking I'm doing something wrong and I get shot here. Yeah. Give me a chance. So he said, he ended up calling the cop again in front of me. And the cop was like, I told you, you could go ahead and talk to her and ask her the questions now. Mm-hmm. When I realized something was off about this, I never answered Lucan's call. He kept on calling. When he now calls the cop back, I was outside the car when they said, you don't have a warrant for your arrest, but your son do. They were talking. He said, I told you you could go ahead and talk to her. Mm-hmm. I never answered his call. They were talking and then he hung up. Mm-hmm. I said, can I see the warrant? The warrant was dated November 7th from North Carolina. I said, okay, how would I know if my son had a warrant when I don't have cop friends? So I would never know. I said, mm-hmm. well, can you tell me um, what the warrant is about, he never told me. I said, all right, well, let's go find out what the warrant is about. So I went ahead and I um, took them willingly to the hotel where I was on post. They, he, yes, Mary, he, he, he handcuffed my son and took my son to Julie, right? He said, meet me down to the, at the Harker Heights police station. I went there. He was like, yeah. We were told that your son was babysitting your kids. And I said, my son never babysits. My son is never home. He's playing sports. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I've always had a nanny. What are you talking? He said, you had a nanny? And to them, it was impossible. Like, I guess black single parents don't have, we can't afford nannies. And that's, I felt offended because Mm. the way that it came out, like you had a nanny, I suggest. So I gave him the nanny's number. The nanny spoke to him right in front of me saying the person I know that mom is, the kids are very structured. They, not one second, she allowed and just anybody to watch her kid. And when Mm. you are watching her kids, her, there, there is way more you got to check in with her. But what my nannies didn't know, I would be at work. And only people at my job will tell you, she has cameras all over that house. So she, she, I'm watching them all day on my phone at work. Mm. So he said, well, your son arraignment is uh, 
November the 14th. Okay, got it. November the 14th, I'm sitting at my son's arraignment. I got, I heard the judge said to me, um, Sasson Marquise, do you know a Lieutenant Lukens? I said, Lieutenant Lukens, yeah, we work together at S3. They said, um, um, did he call you and tell you law enforcement was looking for you? I said, what? This man never called my phone. What are you talking about, man? And she says, so Lieutenant Lukens never told you that law enforcement was looking for you. You got disgruntled. You took off running. And this is why they found you and the kid, your son, running away. And you guys were hiding in a hotel room on Fort Hood. I was like, what? I started screaming. I took my, my cell phone. And my keys, my son started crying. My son said, mom, that never happened. That never happened. I said, I will fix it. I took off running. I called my first aunt and I said, first aunt, I told you that police stop was odd. These two knew each other. Y'all told me they were neighbors. That was one of his good friends. Mm -hmm. And I said, I told you this thing feels like a setup from law and order. You guys were laughing. And they they thought I was joking. I said he gave a falsified statement. So he was like, before you go put your hands on this lieutenant, come see me. So when I told them what was read to me in the courts, they basically went ahead and um, called IG. IG said they needed the statement. I called the lawyer. The lawyer said he don't have access to the statement yet. That was read to me. Mm -hmm. But they said, EO said it doesn't fall in EO. So... What my first sergeant said was, listen, let me make an appointment to talk to the battalion commander and sergeant major, and we're mm -hmm. going to solve this problem. 1400 on November 14th, I had to go see the battalion commander and sergeant major. While I was standing there, I saw Lieutenant Lukens, and anybody that knows will watch this will tell you she's telling the truth. An altercation almost happened with me almost attacking him at the battalion because he was laughing and joking and laughing very loud while I'm sitting here crying about my life just got flipped upside down for the past week and I don't know why, right? Mm. So when he realized I was coming for him, my top flew off. I wanted to really put some hands on that lieutenant. They dragged me, they grabbed me and put me in a room, the, the battalion commander's room. Sergeant Major was in there. My first sergeant was in there. Sergeant First Class Brown was in there, myself. Lukens was in there. So my my battalion commander said, Michael, did you? No, they asked me, what's going on? Why? We never seen you unprofessional, but today you're acting that way. Mm -hmm. I said, sir, this man gave a false statement to his friend. That's a law enforcement guy. And it was false. He said, Michael, did you give any statement no, they told me what was the statement. I told them. Mm -hmm. They said, Michael, did you call Staff Sergeant Marquise and let her know law enforcement was looking for her? He said, yeah, I did. And she got disgruntled and took off running. I said, sir, you really don't know me. It took 10 people to hold me down out here. There is five in here. I will mock you with this floor. These people in here can't hold me. So he said, "He, um, the I looked at, took my phone, ma'am. And I went and I showed, I went, you know how T-Mobile, you could go online and pull your phone records. Yep. So they say that I, I uh, tampered with anything. Yep. I showed him. I went down the list. He said, Michael, 
you never called this NCO. Give me your phone. He went through his no phone log. He sat down and he said, the, uh, law enforcement, what do you guys want me to do when law enforcement told me to do this so they could get her for child endangerment and obstruction of justice? When I heard the charges, I started screaming. I said, who did I endanger? Like, what did I obstruct? So yeah. Just I, all lies. Yes. All lies. I got up. And I went into the conference room crying. Sam Brown followed me, but Sam Brown was like, I'll be damned. This is the golden child right here. He always, he always get himself in trouble mm. and they take him out of it. I said, are you serious? She said, yes. And we gonna see what daddy and mommy gonna do today for this one right here. And the Sam Major followed me. Give me a second, Mary. The Sam Major followed me. The Sam Major said, well, Sam Marquise, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's a, a lieutenant from the reserves. We don't do this on active duty. And he needs mm -hmm. to know that. I said, Sam Major, with all due respect, you're making excuses for this man and his misconduct right now. And it's not cool. Yeah. And he said, my first son came in. He said, hey, put her on leave however long she needs to be on leave for her to take care of what her family. And I was on an extended leave. I didn't even know he got accepted for flight school the day that this situation happened. So when they realized that Lieutenant Lukens got accepted for flight school, his orders was being expedited. Like, yeah. This. Yeah. So that he could, you know, walk away from this scot-free, but. And that's exactly what happened. They smuggled him out of here. By the time I came back, Lieutenant Lukens was gone. And, um, He went to flight school, graduated flight school. He's at Fort Riley right now. I did three congressionals on this chain of command asking them for proof on what they did to him. Guess who's the, and I learned this legal system in the military by going through this. Yeah. At first, I wasn't as educated. You could ask me about my MOS. I could tell you anything about my job. Of course. But when it comes to this legal system, a lot of us leaders and soldiers are very blind. Yeah. So when you write congressionals, it goes right back to that toxic battalion commander. So the entire time I was doing the congressional, mm -hmm. the same battalion commander that Lukens was playing golf with and they were hanging out on the weekend with, is the person answering this. So yeah. when he answered, he BS my first congressional. Mm. I didn't need, I asked, why am I flagged? Because they called me in. This happened in November. January 20, 2019, I was called in and I was flagged. So I was asking my first son, why am I being flagged? And he said, I don't know. We were told from hire to flag you. I said, did you guys tell these people what, what Lieutenant Lukens did to me? Tell mm -hmm. me I'm not being flagged because of what he said, the charges he said. He said, because this was way before an investigation started. He said, I don't know what's going on. We, I'm just told to flag you. So they just flagged me. On the counseling stated, we are flagging you because Hire told us to flag you. This is my flagging counseling. Yes. And... I was flagged from 2019 all the way to 2021 law enforcement investigation. So I asked them, I switched out first sergeants. The other first sergeant came in, 
The one that left told him what happened to me, told him like, yo, they setting her up. Like this right here is crazy. I've never seen this happen to a soldier, but I witnessed it. The officer admitted to his misconduct. The leader smuggled him out of there. So I, he, I have finally had an opportunity to talk to CID. CID requested to speak to me. I was happy when I walked into that CID office. Mind you, pregnant with my daughter. Found out I was pregnant in the middle of this whole situation. Just to walk in there, he's telling me, um, I came in with a folder to show him my laptop, to show him cameras of my house. So no one knew. They never looked at my evidence. They looked at the falsified evidence that was put in front of him. So now Lucan's statement is what they're getting me for obstruction. And neglect, they're saying, is I left my kids unattended and left my son babysitting my kids for me to go to work. And my son plays sports. Even It, it was to the point where the hours of their school, one gets out at 4.30. He goes straight into sports after that. So sports is, doesn't end till 6.30. Mm-hmm. The worker is saying that my son picked them up from school and um, picked them up and dropped them off. And that was a lie. The school system in Colleen is even a part of the setup. It, is, it was so ridiculous. I never seen a system like the good old system down here. And I'm moving forward. I got, I did the congressionals okay. and coming to find out the congressionals being answered, SWAP commanders, sorry, uh, battalion commanders now. Nobody's speaking to me. I requested to speak to the new battalion commander. She refused to speak to me. She said, if it's about my, my the reason why I'm flat, she's not talking to me. I said, okay, got it. I, re- I requested to speak to the brigade commander. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I requested to speak to the division commander. None of them. None of the commanders all the way to three corps, the general, none of them didn't want to talk to me. They said, they are the decision-making. I have never heard this before. We are the decision-making factor of your punishment. We are not speaking to you. Yes. They turned down talking to me. Yep. And I went ahead. He made chief of staff speak to me, three core chiefs of staff. Mm-hmm. I sat there with him. I told him my case started originally with a sharp case and end up couple of weeks later, I'm in a whole setup. Mm. I told him the sharp case, I had to tell my story. To mm-hmm. tell a soldier's story, I found pictures of another soldier in another NCO's phone. He showed it to me. I told him everything that was happening from lower. I was blowing the whistle thinking that chief of staff would have helped me. I never got help. I used IG. I used EO. I used SHARP. And those systems are very much broken. I learned that the system here on Fort Hood is utilized for promotion. Now, people get upset at, at my TikToks, my live, when I talk about what happened to me. But it is true because I used all those systems and they failed me on mm-hmm. Fort Hood. So 100%. And it, it actually is quite baffling because when someone is actually accused of harassment, physical mm-hmm. abuse, you know, sexual assault, mm-hmm. That just gets swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. If it's a male, a male can do no wrong. But the misogyny within these jurisdictions and and entities is just, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's always going to be the woman's fault for just yeah. even existing, for even speaking up, for even I, I agree. No. So that's what's really irking me is that you're you're coming up or you show them proof mm -hmm. of their false claims and their lies mm -hmm. and yet nothing. Like you're not a negligent mom. You're not yeah. this, you know, POS that they're trying to make you out to yeah. be. And you have the receipts and mm -hmm. They refuse to watch it. They refuse to look at my evidence. They refuse to. And it that's 100% negligence. So mm -hmm. when we talk about why retention numbers are low, why suicide, suicide rates are, are skyrocketing and overall mental health of our service members. And yet this is how, you know, you're treated yeah. because you're showing up, you're doing the right thing. You have a moral compass. And I'm so sorry that your, you know, slimy ex-husband mm -hmm. is, is feeding into it. And it, it's, it's just, it's very sad to see folks give into that. I think they want to demonize women so quickly, like, Oh really? And even if it's not true, it's like, Hey, uh, you know, she's blowing the whistle or, you know, she's not letting us, you know, bully her around. So let's make her life a living hell. Like what kind of, what kind of grown man or grown adult does that? I just, so so not um, to cut you off, but before I didn't know what whistleblower was either. Like, right. And yeah. then it was when someone said, you're a whistleblower. I said, whistleblower. Yeah. So look up whistleblower. So yeah. when you're a whistleblower, Kwame don't like you. I said, and, what? Yeah. And I mean, like, I think whistleblower, like, in general and on the top of most people's heads, they think of that as, like, exposing, like, yes. national secrets, mm -hmm. like, missile codes, whatever. No, it's you're speaking up against the injustice exactly the military, whatever bureaucracy, really. Exactly. So, so how and did that's, you feel that's, about being That's what kills that? me. That's what kills me is, you know, I'm labeled right now as a whistleblower, I'm labeled as somebody who blows the whistle on, on leaders. And it's not that, you know, I feel like we serve this country to, for, and, and I say, stress this a lot to people. Like I'm not from this country and I proudly serve this country. So when, when we join, some of us are running away from our childhood. Some of us are running away from our own problems and traumas. And we're we're not coming in here expecting that you're gonna be one treated like shit. I'm sorry. And then two to to, to go ahead to go ahead. Give me a second, Mary. To go ahead and uh to be sexually assaulted, sexually harassed. We're we're not here. We we never thought this when you're running because you're 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 probably serving serving the country and feeling like you belong to something that's big mm -hmm. and people don't understand. So when I look at, like I say to people, and I say that on my TikTok a lot, like from the time you compromise my space or another space, soldier space, you mess with, you mess with a whole nother me because mm -hmm. one, I have kids that's old, as old as these soldiers that's coming into this military. And this is what I'm, I, I ask myself, like these leaders who's, a part of these cover-ups, right? Don't you guys have kids that may join this future military? Because we don't know what our kids are going to turn out to be. Wouldn't you want somebody to treat your kid with that same dignity and respect? You should treat them the way that you want your kid to be treated. So this is how I look at it. 
Like you're not, you you could label me all day as a whistleblower. I'm going to blow the whistle all day as long as you come. From the time you compromise somebody's space, my space or soldier's space, that whistle will be blowing. 100%. And I think, unfortunately, it's, it's a little scary to think that maybe their kids will join the military because look at the example that they're setting. And, you know, kids are very personable. They're going to they're going to learn some of that. So hopefully they unlearn that in order to become better leaders, break the cycle of toxicity. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, I mean, who, who would want that for their, I mean, just their consciousness. Like, yes, I'm going to go to Fort hood and I'm going to be the biggest piece of shit that I ever can. I'm going to screw anyone over just to get promoted, just to look like the good old Brown noser. Um, But I think, your your situation is just so frightening because again you show up you did your job you're a fantastic soldier and this personal stuff that isn't even true is being used against you and now you, they're trying yeah your ex-husband is really trying to oh, get you for all he can and it's just very unfortunate that others aren't be aren't able to see through that facade and that bs so mm-hmm. moving forward i mean what are you doing now to uh you know to speak your truth you're talking to news outlets you're sharing your story mm-hmm. that way that so other people can learn how how jaded fort hood is and it's, it's so, a whole cluster really so i got people who's getting upset at me because i'm speaking about my story i'm speaking against certain things like even to talk about like certain situations that i'm dealing with like and and i stress this as a large organization, we're trained to one, be resilient. We're trained to, if you're seeing a soldier showing you the sign of suicide, to speak to that soldier. We're trained to even use MRT, that resiliency, but the leaders aren't practicing that because one, imagine uh, Stella Stavsarn got stripped from everything on my day off. And then I got put in a corner everyone labeled me. I got bullied, belittled. I was this NCO with cooties that no one spoke to, but those two leaders that I told you, that first sergeant and that commander who gave me a chance, Mm. what did you just send that soldier to go do? Commit suicide, right? Because you guys don't realize stripping someone from all of that will drive soldiers to that point because now you're feeling like your career is over. And, And when you're going through so much, that darkness do take over your mind where you're not seeing things right. And this is one of the things like I sat today, even talking to another leader, like, why are we taking MRT? Why are we taking sharp training? Why are we taking EO training? All of these training and those leaders are not utilizing and taking those programs seriously. This is why we have these high numbers of suicide. A lot of stuff is going on right now. It's because it's a promotion point system. It's not the empathy, sympathy to people who's going through stuff to realize mm. you can't do certain things to people. Yeah. 
100%. And I have a feeling that that's why none of that leadership wanted to meet with you in person, because mm-hmm. when it when they meet someone who's going through a situation like this, it, it humanizes the mm-hmm. situation. And they don't want that. They just want to see slideshows of numbers. They want to see you as a number, not as a, a victim. The fact that they won't even allow you that humanity to hear you out is just, again, appalling. And just, it's not right. So when... When push comes to shove and, you know, more things like this happen, more tragedies and suicide and declinations in mental health, I really hope that that leadership is watching the news, is hearing these stories because they've got blood on their hands for being complacent. So, Sandy, with everything going on, um, I can imagine how this weighs really heavy on your psyche, your your emotions, your mental state. So, how do you take care of yourself? Like, how do you how how are you how are you surviving right now, really? So, with like the situation, how it weighed out on me, yeah. I end up. I was always addicted to working out. I got more addicted to the point where I was going like three times a day to do cardio and lift. Give me some of that. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I'm very fit. I like to work out. And that's where, like, I take my frustration out in the gym. So if you see me in the gym like three, four times, just know, like, stuff is going on and it's to the max. And I'm not trying to be a statistic where I give up. I want to fight because I want, you know, like some of the, what the lack of support, the lack of people knowing what's going on, some of us give up. So I did get to that point, but you know, I fought through it. Like I say to everybody and the gym is what really helped me out. at that point. I love, I love to hear that. And I love that motivation. Sometimes, um, I mean, I feel like I just like really, truly put myself in your shoes in that situation because mm. I got there too. And, and you know, it's it's the lack of working out and it's like the lack of good, nutritious food mm-hmm. and not working out. You know, you're not relieving that physical and emotional stress. I think we don't really talk about how exercise and getting outside and getting your heart rate up can really, um, it kind of like clears all the static in your head. Yeah, so I'm glad that you have that solace and that that ability to like get yourself off the couch and like you know off of a you know not necessarily a pity party, but sometimes we survivors can absolutely wallow in our sadness. Um, sometimes it can be very discouraging. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're still taking care of yourself and trying to stay on your mental and physical wellness is really awesome, really important. Because um, you got to remember when you're going through like any stress, stressful situation, there's a chemical imbalance to like when you're dealing with anxiety and depression and what releases those uh, chemicals is cardio and working out, pushing yourself. Because when you're laying there, you're thinking all the worst thought, thoughts, everything else. So, yeah. So I've always learned how to not to like use meds but to like do things the natural way so that's my coping mechanism i admire that i really do um i don't i you know if you want to do the medication that's on you i love that um but also i feel like we send away from you know just natural herbs and plants Mm -hmm. 
that can do that for you. And that's what I also mean with like a good nutritious, um, uh, just way of eating is that you can put those herbs and those plants to help with your, you know, internals. So I love that. I, I, and I really am glad that you prioritize that because Mm -hmm. the, I feel like when you kind of like slowly, like let things slide, or slip like the gym, you know, it encourages other bad behavior. And then oh, yeah, you're yeah, wondering yeah. like, Hey, where, did, what, how did I get here? So yeah. I'm glad that you're taking care of yourself because I can't imagine the amount of stress and just the way that tension holds in your body too. So uh, what other things do you do to kind of like take, like to stay motivated, to stay, um, you know, on your toes on, you know, getting your story out, you know, and, and calling people out on what's right and what's wrong, the injustices within the military system. Like, so speaking up and uh, like, if a situation happens, like I correct that leader right Mm -hmm. there. And if you're still not trying to fix it, the same organization that they, the military has their IG, EO, Sharp, uh, whatever, that program is, I utilize them because, and I, and I'm saying this, I had a paper trail on the military showing that I've utilized every step throughout the way. And these system failed me because they weren't listening. So don't my, my thing, like I say to people, I, to speak up and to uh, address it, you know, Hey, I don't like this. This is wrong. And because that individual has the mo- the one of the problems a lot of us have with knowing how to address things, you could say it in a polite way. I say mm-hmm. it in a polite way. And mm-hmm. you don't have to be disrespectful about it. But um, we're intimidated by the rank, you know? Oh, yeah. And um, if that individual outranks me, I can't tell a colonel, sir, that is wrong. No. You should be able to tell someone because what we're lacking, and it's a part of the army value. And this is what irritated me when I used to lay on this couch crying for years. Yeah. How are we, we have an NCO creed, officer creed, we have army values. And the most important part of the army value is what they talk about all the time, integrity. And a lot of the leaders are lacking integrity. So yeah. how you make it aware to that leader is correcting them on the spot correction. Like, hey, sir, I don't like this. And this is wrong. And if you you address it and he continue, he or she continues, then you utilize open door policies. That's what I did. I went, requested, hey, this person ignored me. I made sure I annotated what day that I spoke to Sar Major such and such, Colonel such and such, and I went up. I went mm-hmm. up all the way till I went to three court, and but I kept a notation of everything I did, every step I went. Mm-hmm. And when it was time for me, no one wasn't listening. I went to social media about it. I wasn't scared at this point because it was either telling my story the proper way or... Um, sitting down and having people say, well, I hope you could prove this. These are some serious allegations and Mm -hmm. I hope you could prove it. And it made me feel like the military did not believe what I was saying. This was just a joke when I was telling them, 
hey, I got set up by this individual and he knew everybody. And these people, and I named, dropped everybody, ranked name, who was in that room. And they heard this and they mm-hmm. did nothing about it. And as a first sergeant, a battalion commander, and a sergeant major, you should have done something about it. Now, if you if you question the integrity of the battalion commander and sergeant major, because you knew they had a pattern of hiding mm-hmm. things and the history, as a first sergeant, you should have went up the chain too with that soldier because you knew what happened. When you got told from the very beginning, flag that soldier in 2019, January 2019, and you knew why, as a first sergeant, I would have said, not on my watch. Right. I would have went with that soldier, and we would have clarified it up the chain. And if they still wasn't listening, the same way that soldier blew the whistle when she realized right. up there did not care, I would have blowed the whistle right along because he was on that duty station. He didn't PCS yet. He was just a first sergeant for another company. So he could have said something from 19 to 20. But then when he realized it got out of hand, it it was when he said, I thought it was going to blow over. But blowing over, it's not going to fix it. And this is what a lot of people in the army says, oh, I'm going to mind my business. This has nothing to do with me. You're part of the corruption too, because you should be able to on the spot, correct someone with rank in the, in a decent way where you're not terrified of retaliation. And it's that retaliation button that hate, I hate. And that is very prominent in Fort Hood. Like it, it's almost like the culture embeds itself into you. If you don't partake in it, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna Mm -hmm. suffer the the consequences. It's almost like a gang and Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually very unfortunate. And I can see where people are intimidated because you in this, you know, in this example of everything that you've been put through, you're exposing and showing and your proof of how, you know, some people join organizations as a mask. They use it for the power. They use yeah. it for the leverage. It's a, it, it's not always, you know, men, good old boy, good old gal system. Mm-hmm. Some, some women are complacent in their silence. They see something, exactly. they use that mentality. Hey, this is not my business, mm-hmm. but wouldn't you as a human being want to stand up for what's right? I mean, you're wearing, you're wearing this uniform and you're not implementing Mm -hmm. those values. So what are you another ship bag in a uniform or are you going to uphold those values, those standards so that you can be better than the rest of the system. But I can understand that when you're in the shit, it's just like you're surrounded by so many who are just a muck. They're dirty. unethical. When you're going through something, Cause there's a lot of people who contact me going through stuff too. And I, it's like, we're, we have like this support group where we're talking to each other and stuff That's good. and you realize, and some of them are lieutenants, first sergeant, you name it like different ranks. And the first thing they're saying is I didn't do this. Like, I didn't even know there was this side of the military. And I always say, Hey, welcome to the dark side. This is the side where yeah. uh, you realize loyalty not exist in the military integrity is far from gone and then people take that loyalty stuff to a next level where it's like if if i see my colonel is doing something crazy i can't say anything because i won't be a part of this clique 
and I won't be a part of like feeling wanted and needed. Yeah. But then how do you sleep at nights knowing, and I questioned this for four years, I still question it. How does this individual who got promoted to captain could sleep at nights knowing you are part of a corruption? And they turned it, they turned the narrative so bad, they made it seem like he was trying to help me out and he was trying to do something good, but he wasn't. It, it, he was a part of the corruption. He was a part, okay. He was a part of like hurting a soldier. And then you guys see that to shut the soldier up, we're going to court martial her because she's airing out a lot of the stuff. And it's still mm -hmm. happening now. Like, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're mad because I made a TikTok last weekend after getting off this podcast. <laughs> and my TikTok, I was I was very emotional because I'm still seeing like the retaliation portion. Okay, I'm still seeing the retaliation portion of the this my this right, and be, it's like you can't speak about your traumas to them, and you have to stay quiet. No, this is my story. This is what happened to me. I may be saving at least twenty people, even if I could save one person. Yeah. We could relate to each other to understand. And that person think they're the only person going through this. I will speak up and say what's going on and what happened to me. And I went through this for a reason. I went through this for a reason. And I say this to, if I have to save one life, I will go through it a million times just to save that one life. I love your energy and I love that spirit because we need more women. We need more people like that. And one thing that I stand by um, is I think I might've, heard it on TikTok or maybe Twitter, but um, basically how normalized it is to consume such horrific media, like podcasts mm -hmm. about, you know, soldiers being brutally murdered and going missing. But then they, mm -hmm. like those same people who listen to those podcasts have no sympathy for the people who have actually been through traumatic mm -hmm. events in their life. It makes no sense. And it, again, it offers no sympathy or compassion. You just want to consume media for your entertainment. We are not entertainment. We mm -hmm. are living proof of the corruption, the vile things that men and women get away with just because they wear a certain uniform or have certain chevrons and rockers on their yes. chest. And we're tired of it. We, I'm tired of seeing posts like listening and learning and praying thoughts and prayers and stuff like that's not going to do. That's not going to do shit. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's also, it's a level of like, okay, well, I don't have to experience this in my day to day. So I'm just not going to worry about it. And we don't need that level of uh, a perspective or a mindset because it doesn't have to happen to you for you to care about it. Exactly. Injustice one place is injustice everywhere mm -hmm. and not to like really blow it up but it again it, in your situation you saw that in multiple levels the military cps and mm -hmm. law enforcement, yes all corrupt all to mm -hmm. feed to some butthurt man's lies mm -hmm. and even when it was admitted that it was a lie it was still continued and that's what yeah. i don't understand because you don't want to abide by that level of i don't i don't know it, it really does feel like it's a gang some people feel a little overwhelmed, like, oh, well, I'm the only one speaking up. Like, it's just me. Um, when it sh shouldn't feel that way. You've got 100% of survivor supporters online, everywhere else. Yeah. It's just 
you need to find your people. And I feel like you've just been surrounded by corrupt, evil people. And it, it is unfortunate that you had to take it to social media, but I'm glad that it's getting the traction that it, it deserves. Because like I said, injustice here with you, this isn't, this isn't a new anomaly. Like this has happened before and it'll happen again. And I'm tired of it. I want women to honorably serve the military without having these kinds of paranoias on their back. Like, mm -hmm. am I going to be harassed? Am I going to be assaulted? Am yeah. I going to be, uh, you know, beat like just beat to shit emotionally and, you know, environmentally, like, are they going to make my life hell because I don't want to just sit down and shut up. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, yeah. So I, like I said, I really admire your ability to just get up and, and speak your truth because that will always outweigh whatever bullshit they're doing. Um, it just might not seem like that at the time. Like with all the, like we're taught to not to say certain things outside. Right. So a lot of times it starts with us questioning, are we going against the military by saying what's going, how, what you're dealing with? Yeah, and and I think a lot of soldiers are trapped there because I was trapped oh, there yeah. at first with yeah okay like the military code of justice like am I going against this because we we are taught to not to go to the media and saying talking about my story and what happened to me am I going against the military but I got to the point where it was either go to jail for nine years for something I didn't do I didn't partake in none of those things or should I um, just say, screw it? I end up saying, screw it eventually and fighting back. And like I say to people, from the time you got to question yourself, the coulda, woulda, shoulda between the uniform and the truth, stay with your truth. Your truth is your truth. Your trauma is your trauma. Go as far as you can to get your story out there because the way the culture is right now it's like, it's more of like, it's not a, it's like, to me, it's a safety hazard for soldiers in this uniform, because instead of the leaders genuinely listening, having empathy and sympathy to what's going on to their, to their soldiers in the uniform, they are more worried about their image. They are more worried about if I stand with this soldier, mm. I'm not going to be a part of the uh, clique. I'm not going to be, my, my OER, NCOER is going to be targeted. So I'm going to be on the side of the corruption. And a lot of them, I remember behind closed doors, a lot of the leaders were upset, like, but I can't say nothing because they're going to come after me. Yeah. If you understand what I'm saying. But they knew I was telling the truth. If someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, how can they do that? Because, you know, we need to share your story. We need to get this out there. Um, well, my one of my, my big thing is I'm looking for an attorney. Okay. Um, I'm looking for a high profile attorney because I do want to go after the captain who did this to me. Um, the CPS worker, Kendra Eastap. And... Um, Chapman, the cop, right? Who did this? And I do have documentation showing that they did tampered with the my situation. Mm. And then um, there's other victims out there who has reached out to me okay. and spoke to me about a lot of what happened to them. Some of some of these families, their kids did not come home. 
I fought and some, they, they, they were like me trying to understand why would you use your job to abuse the system? But I want to, I want somebody, and this is what a lot of the local, I don't want a local attorney in mm -hmm. Colleen. I want someone who could practice across the United States. This is why I'm looking for a high profile attorney. Okay. Because I need them to understand we're fighting for this country, not for us to come to a certain state. And then it's the good old boys town. Everybody knows everyone. And then it's like, hey, let, let's do this. Let's, let's use an old situation to do this. Like if she had walked into my house that day and did her job instead of not listening, but then she walked out and I had a whole case on a removal that was a lie. Then if she had walked in and did her job, I would have said, yes, she did her job and she found these things as a human being, hold myself accountable, Hi. but she didn't do that. She Hi. used her job to smuggle people's kids, do what she had to kidnap my kids for not my kids for nine Hi. months. My daughter was abused in the system. They had my daughter on antipsychotic. They had, and she was a special needs child with autism. So they did a lot and she was physically and emotionally and mentally abused in that system. So I need justice for my family. So Absolutely. I am looking for an attorney. Okay. I've been trying to look for a high profile attorney. Anybody who's interested in this, in my case, they could reach out to me at melinlove2008 at gmail.com or yeah, melinlove2008 at gmail.com and my email address. And then um, I'm ready for it because no one has never went up against the good old boys town, the good old boys town in uh, Bell County. And it's time for them to take down this clique because it's 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 bigger than you guys think. Like, I mean, I can imagine. I mean, like I said earlier, it's like you either have to do something, partake in something, so that they have your code of silence. Yeah. And um, and it's been almost like generations of that to ascend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like the law enforcement has. Yes. Has been swayed by this brotherhood, good old boy system. So out here in Colleen, we don't have a good system. I'm I'm being honest. Like the cops all know each other. The, yeah. the, the, the military knows these individuals. And for me digging and digging in my situation, and I guess they didn't know I was more educated with the system because of my degree and my background. Mm -hmm. I was digging. I was one of those trouble parents who gave them trouble because I, I, I wasn't stopping. They didn't learn. I learned, I'm sorry. They, I learned that, um, like, if I went to NWACP or, or one of these organizations, they were a part of CPS. And this mm -hmm. is to show you the connection with everybody. Like everyone yes. knows everyone. And, and someone would say, yeah, yeah, I know the, the, the chief of police plays golf with the local senator who's representing Colleen. And I was like, I sat across him. And it made me, it, the betrayal was happening to me while I was pregnant with my daughter. And I really didn't even know it that I went to the senator's office, he could have stopped it from then on, but he never did because he played, a, he played, he fished and played golf with the chief of police. And it really irritates me. Like we 
serve this country and we are sent into these little towns and you would think the military would protect their soldiers. And this is what I was asking for was protection because they didn't understand, but I didn't know some of these people that's serving right now with rank are from this local town. So mm. you you're you know, and this is where I told you some someone was spilling the, the connection to me and was like, Oh yeah, I know this Nate, this person on Fort Hood. He's from here. And I was like, he's from here. Yeah. And then this person knows this person. So the connection was being told. And I said, get out of here. Mm. And I kicked down this door. They looked at me like I was laughing and crazy, but they never seen me someone go that far. Yeah. And it really hurts me. So we need we need a better system out here in Colleen to, to protect the soldiers out here. Because the soldiers out here, we're going through it. So if we cannot trust local law enforcement, we cannot trust our, our, our leaders out here. Who can we trust if we if we yeah. are in a situation and you're waving that white flag? This is why a lot of the soldiers are giving up because yeah. it's a whole big good old boys town. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, literally from Vanessa Guillen's, um, you know, tragic death and everything coming up from that, nothing has changed. And there are people that are still struggling that are being silenced. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate you sharing your story and, and coming on here. And, and I, I really admire you and the work that you're putting in to stop this because something's got to give. It's yes. just going to continue on. And quite frankly, you know, if, if your children want to serve the military, you, you kind of, yes. that like, it takes your breath away in a bad way. You're like, is yeah. has the system changed? Has it gotten better? Are they actually taking care of their people? And then again, then they wonder why the numbers of retention are so low. Like yeah. take care of the ones that you have, listen to them. But I think what you're saying is kind of nailing the, uh, yeah, putting a, a hammer to the nail, just that it's, it's been so embedded into the culture, into that town that it, it almost seems like, like it's a like it's bigger than we think. Yeah, it's it's, it's bigger. Way bigger. And it's I, it's bigger. I mean, what what would it take to have that kind of change? I think it's like relocating everybody because Yeah. And I think if the military's gone out of this area, they start they start really paying attention to what's going on with the troops out here and relocating this town will hurt a lot because you it's 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 about lack of paying attention to the soldiers out here because I'm I'm being honest like my situation hit hard mm -hmm. and imagine saying I didn't do this on every level like I have camera footage I have this I have that and no one has yet to look at yeah. nothing yeah and to see what I'm talking about but they brought on the all, all it took was that CPS worker to send and I saw this folder she sent it to CID and CID at that time in 2018 to 19 was not looking into cases. And I was told, yeah, they were overwhelmed at that time. They weren't looking into cases because I tried to tell them CID, Hey, you guys, I'm happy that I'm, I get a chance to speak to you guys this side of the military because there's corruption out there. And I try to show them my footage. I try to show them like, you know, there's no way my son could have picked my kids up. There was no way this right. could have happened. And the, the lies weren't adding up and you, yeah. you caught on to it and they get intimidated by that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do understand how you were saying that, like, 
it's just unfortunate that this has happened because it doesn't equate to your loyalty to your nation, to your military service. It doesn't coincide with that. You want to continue serving. You want to continue doing your job, being the best leader that you can. Um, But that's almost entirely impossible when they see you as a threat, as, you know, what have you. So using your voice, speaking up and calling things out in a professional way, uh, you know, assertive, not aggressive, um, is usually something that I say, cause I know I can, I can be very aggressive and that doesn't always help. So when you use it with tact, with professionalism, you call people out right then and there, that's, that kind of stops the behavior in its tracks. And it also shows the room that, Hey, you're picking up what they're putting down and something's got to give the culture has to change. Um, and, and it has to end, you know, all of your shenanigans, your crimes, your unethical ways of doing things is going to catch up with you. It's not that we want to see the downfall of man or the organization. It's just there's slimy people inside of the military service. And we need to acknowledge that it's not, it's not in the sense of betrayal to your country. It's more of like, Hey, if they're doing this, I can't imagine what else they're doing. And, you know, there was just some recent news. There was two officers that were caught embezzling funds, stealing from the company and then selling it. Like, you know what I mean? I can't imagine what they were also up to inside of, you know, their organization, their place of work. Um, And, you know, the types of things that they let slide because they're doing, you know, shady things. So when you said, oh, yeah, so-and-so plays golf and fishes with the senator, like, that just, all I hear is, oh, they have dirt on each other and they both have to coincide with a code of silence because, you know, we're we're not breaking up this good old boy system. We need to let just men do whatever the fuck they want. And that's not how the world works. So regardless of what uniform, what you wear to work – you, you know, you will eventually face, you know, consequences for your actions, lack thereof as well. It's the people that are also complacent as well, that don't want to feel like they're um, responsible, but you didn't do anything and you could have. So you're a coward. So maybe next time you see something, you hear something. <laughs> how do I say it? Soldier up. I don't know. Just do the right thing because it's not that hard. It's harder keeping up with lies and crimes. And if you honestly like have fulfillment in ruining people's lives for no reason, that's where I'm like, okay, you need to grow up. You need to do some healing. Um, But we're tired of it. Women, survivors, everyone on Fort Hood, we're over it. But like I said, I really, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this story. So I hope that we can hopefully connect you with a high profile attorney and, you know, for my survivors, the listeners for this podcast, please share this with everyone, you know, we need to get this word out. We need to help Sandy out because Sandy isn't the only one, but Sandy is brave enough to speak up about it. And she demands justice. I said to a lot of people, like they messed with the wrong mother. And I don't think I told them this. I said, if you guys think I'm one of these shitty moms, y'all, y'all mess. Yeah, y'all mess with the wrong mom. I will move this mountain and recreate this world for my kids. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That, like, you know, just giving me somewhere. I'm starting somewhere with my story. Absolutely. And I'm not gonna stop till I get justice for my kids. 
and what happened to my kids because nothing, I, I would never allow anything to happen to my kids. So thank you for giving me somewhere to uh, speak.